0: This episode of the Turf District Podcast is brought to you by Taproot Spotlight, a service that helps businesses and organizations pay attention to the people they serve. Taproot tells you the news about the people and companies that are important to you. Use that information internally to keep everyone on the same page or share it with the world in your newsletter, on your website, and on your social media channels. Paying attention pays dividends. Find out more at taprootpublishing.ca slash spotlight. That's taprootpublishing.ca slash spotlight. Enjoy the show.
1: Brotherhood,
2: and if we stand strong together, we can't be denied. If one of us go down, we have another, and another, and another that's ready to fight. So let's hit this field and bang them! bang them bang them Somebody light me up.
0: time to huddle up. It's the Turf District Podcast. back to the turf district where we huddle up to talk all things edmonton elks and the cfl and we're a proud member of the alberta podcast network locally grown community supported and also a part of the canadian football podcast network i'm andrew and welcome into the turf district tonight thank you for joining us on youtube if you're watching that way and of course if you've downloaded the podcast thank you so much for downloading uh, make sure that you uh Jump in there, leave a review, hit subscribe, tell all your friends, do all those things. Uh, and if you're live with us on YouTube, make sure you throw your questions into the chat right below for our amazing guest this evening. Uh, and good thing we timed it right after Saskatchewan lost that game, which makes it all the more fun to chat on our show this evening. Uh, of course, with me as always is super fan Mike.
3: Woo! Oh, it's going to be a good one. I can feel it, I can
0: feel the can energy. Subscribe. Like and subscribe right up by your head. That's
3: right. (laughs) Oh, Oh, yeah. Like I said, they've been waiting for this one for a while. So this is going to be fantastic. Absolutely,
0: and uh, Commissioner wasn't able to join us this evening, but I, I'm sure that she will be back next week uh, as we talk more things. But let's bring in our guest, Mike. We yes. we got to get to this guest. Um, yes, we sir. have waited for a very long time. Um, our guest played ten seasons with the Green and Gold, uh, including, of course, the five in a row Grey Cup dynasty. Uh, he was a CFL All Star in 1978 and a West All Star in 1976, 1978, and 1982. He is. Finally, going up on the Wall of Honor this year. Welcome to the podcast, number 29, Mr. Joe Holloman. We're so glad you're here.
1: Good evening, and I hope uh, at all of Edmonton is doing well. We, we
0: are, and uh, doing better now with this news. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I know, it's been way too long, uh, but now you're, you're going up on the Wall of Honor. And, and how does it feel to be added to that group, and what was it like when you got the call?
2: It
1: was shocking. It was a surprise. I thought it was a joke. <laughs> really? Uh, but I know Alan Watt, so you know, I, I didn't think Alan would be joking with me about it. Uh, but just, just totally thrilled, but not really sure. Because he had first called me and told me that uh, he wanted to do an interview with me. Uh, and somebody wanted to talk to me via radio. And uh he gave me a time to uh for him to call, and uh when he called, he said, "You know this is actually not uh for an interview. I just wanted to tell you that you had been selected to be put on the uh almost said Eskimo on the Elps Wall of fame <laughs> or wall of honor and uh I about fell out of my chair <laughs> uh, hey, Alan, can you give me a chance to just sit down for a moment?" <laughs> Uh, cause I was in my office, my son and I were working on some, uh, client stuff. And, uh, when he told me, I said, you know, just, uh, yeah, just, just hold up for a second. Uh, you know, I need to get into my personal office so that we can, we can talk. Okay. And, uh, yeah. So it, wow. it was, cause in my own mind, all right. I'll just be totally honest with you. After I re, uh, after I, uh, not retired, but after the Eskimos, uh, kind of let me go. And the way they did this honor, I always I always hoped that one day it, I would be recognized at this. But after 10 years being out of the league, and like I said, the way that I was my contract with the Eskimos were uh, terminated or my playing days were terminated uh, and it didn't happen at that time. I thought if it ever happened, it would be one of my grandkids that would have to accept the honor wow. postmortem. Yeah,
3: is no. does it more special now that you're going in with Ed Jones and with Jim Germany, like two of your teammates for so many years?
1: That's a total honor. That is a total honor, you know. And uh, quite a few of our uh, what they call a dynasty team are already on the wall. Right, and I'm ju- I'm just proud that I get to see the day. All right, providing that God continues to give me breath through the 13th of August. Right. Uh, I'm just proud that Jim Germany is getting his recognition. Ed Jones, who deserves everything, uh, gets his recognition. And of course, I'm thrilled as I could be that I'm included uh, among the three.
3: That is fantastic. Um, we we love going back to the very beginning when we have guests on the show. Uh, of course, we're going to talk lots about your playing time, but even at the very beginning, like who introduced you to football, and and, uh, and when did you start playing?
1: Uh, wow, I started playing when I was in the eighth grade, uh, and I got interested in football because an older brother. Off of the plantation where we were born in Arkansas, <laughs> was playing football. And uh, the reason he started playing football is that he had already dropped out of high school. Uh, he was seventeen years old, and uh, he had already dropped out of high school and was headed to Nebraska to uh, enter into the workforce. And uh, but my that same year, nineteen sixty eight, my dad and mom convinced him that he needed to go back to high school. And finish not because he needed to finish high school, but because I had two older sisters that were still you know in high school. and myself going into junior high school and a sister going into elementary school. and that was a year that our plantation school that had nothing but African American kids in it was closed down and we merged and I was bused five and a half miles away to the Caucasian school, to the white school where we integrated, and that was our first year. So my mom and dad convinced my one of my older brothers, the one that was 17, I have three that were older than him, they convinced him to go back to school for our protection. Wow. <laughs> Holy cow. And, and he started playing football with the team, and I got to go to some of the practices where I got to see – football for the first time in my life prior to this i had never ever touched a real football in with my own hands ever the little school that we were going to on the plantation uh we made our own baseball bats and uh we would get a rubber one of the softballs and we call it a town ball because it was so big all right and uh, we played baseball with it but we didn't play baseball like baseball you know baseball today Right. Uh, our ball was, you could throw it and hit the person and get them out. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, get them out.
3: Hardcore dodgeball.
1: Yes. Uh, with, with a softball. Wow. And, uh, you know, if you didn't make it on the bases, you got to 20 bases. Some of the bigger kids don't understand this. In that old school, it was one room for grades one through four, the other room was grades uh, five through eight. And we all played on the playground together at recess. And you might have a fourth grader, third grader playing against an eighth grader that could zing that ball. That, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> and we had a 16 inch bicycle rim that we nailed to a light pole, in which we kind of manufactured from old planks, a backboard. And that was our basketball hoop with a plastic ball. Wow. And we had one four-seat metal swing set. have no idea where it came from, but that was our playground equipment. The rest of it was running, jumping. And one day a year, we would have what's called a field day. And that's when we would go to another African-American school in another town and we would compete athletically. And other schools around would come into that same day. It was just like a track meet today, but it was only for one day and it was called a field day and there was no training for it or nothing. You just showed up and you competed.
0: That's amazing. <laughs> oh, man. You, you know, I, I mean, I know that, that that time really wasn't as long ago as we think it is, but it's it's <laughs> funny when we're – when we're talking like this and it's like, okay, like you, you lived in that first part of that. And then, uh, you know, and then came out uh, on the other side uh, where you, you know, now we're playing football and then out of nowhere, you come to Canada. Like
1: that's, uh, that's like what? Uh, oh, when what- I came to Edmonton guys, really, I, when I got on a plane in Memphis, Tennessee, cause there was no airport in Arkansas big enough to fly me out of there to Edmonton. I had no idea where Edmonton was. The only thing I knew about it—I mean, I'm a senior in college now, okay—or just finished my fourth year of college ball. The only thing I knew is that Calvin Harrell, who was on my college football team, was playing there. Right. I had no idea where I was going. Really? I did oh. not know where Edmonton was. I wanted to play football, and that was it. And uh, my college coach, uh, guy named Bill Davidson had actually came to Edmonton after Carol uh, Calvin was in Edmonton as a guest coach. And he knew Coach Ray Yock, And the Minnesota Vikings had let me go. And uh, when I got released by the Vikings, uh, Earl Lonsford and uh, the, uh, I, oh, pfft, Mike Riley were in Winnipeg because I had gone there to visit them in February. And the snow was about yay high. <laughs> Sounds more right. And I'm standing on the sidewalk in front of the hotel that we're checking in. And I see all these little antennas go down. I can hear the cars, but I can't see them because of the snow piles. <laughs> and uh, the weekend before, this was a news report when, we, when I checked in the hotel, was the weekend before, two people got out of their car and froze to death in a snow drift because their car stalled. And, you know, they're trying to convince me. I, I, like I said, I had no idea. They're trying to convince me how beautiful Winnipeg is in the summertime. And
2: uh,
1: the girls in the bikinis and, and the parks. And, oh, it, I'm saying, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> and they wanted me to sign a contract in February. All right. Myself and our, our fullback from Arkansas State both made the trip to Winnipeg. And uh, we both thought we were going to get drafted by the NFL. And I had only played three games my senior year, and I had a knee injury. And uh, so, I mean, I was glad that Winnipeg was even calling, period, somebody from a professional. But I said, I want to see where I get drafted at or if I'm going to get drafted in the NFL before I make a commitment to you and Winnipeg. And I think they got a little PO'd at my decision the day Minnesota let me go, which was uh, uh, like a Thursday before their final preseason game. Before I left Minnesota Vikings football camp, uh, Mike Riley, not Mike, uh, uh, Earl Lonsford had called me and said, uh, I want you to go back home. And within two weeks, we want you back in Winnipeg. Three weeks later, no call from, from the Blue Bombers. And uh, that's when I talked with my head coach because I had gone back to Arkansas State and I was there working out. And you want to know why was I back there? <laughs> I said, well, for whatever reason, the Minnesota Vikings didn't see fit to keep me. And I got into one game on one punt cover. And the ball went the other side of the field away from me. So that was my only action in the NFL period was to cover one punt uh, never got, I uh, played against the Cowboys down at Texas Stadium before they moved into the stadium they're in now. And I uh, 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 can't think of the guy's name. I just had a little brain fart. But uh, anyway, the defensive back coach kept telling me, get ready, get ready, get ready. You're going to go in. Get ready, you're going to go in. And uh, in the final seconds of the fourth quarter, that was the same song that was being sang. Wow. Yeah, wow. I got yeah, that game. And that was uh, the f- the third preseason game with the uh, with the uh, Vikings, and uh, that next Thursday, uh, got called in to Bud Riley's office. Not Bud Riley, um, or whatever that guy's name was with the Winnipeg. I mean, with uh, Winnipeg, going on to
3: Lunsford, yeah, oh, Lunsford.
1: No, uh, wow, the coach of the uh, Minnesota Vikings, oh. Bud Grant,
2: Bud right. Grant, yeah,
1: who also coached in Winnipeg. All right. And uh, the rest is kind of like history. Let me go. And so my coach made that call. Ray Yock said, you got a left corner. We've been looking for one for two years. <laughs> <laughs> What's so crazy about it, guys, when I got to Edmonton, when I got off the plane at Edmonton, on the way from the airport with the guy named Tom Pond, I don't know if that name rings a bell. Mm-hmm. But Tom Bond mm-hmm. picked me up at the airport and uh, was taking me back to Edmonton. We got at, at that time between the airport and uh, almost where South Center is. Uh, uh, yeah, there was there was nothing out there. Okay, it have been, no.
2: yeah.
1: The Convention Inn was the first sign of life coming from the <laughs> airport. <laughs> I don't even think it's named the Convention Inn anymore, is it?
3: <laughs> yeah, the Shaw Convention Center, I think. Was the uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: But, uh, somebody, oh, in. right, And I, then I was wondering, what in the hell did I get myself into? <laughs> I don't know if it was somebody that knew who Tom Pond was. When we stopped at 103 and a Calgary Trail, mm-hmm. somebody jumped out of their car and ran around and grabbed the back of Tom's car. Pawns car and just started shaking it, and I said, "What the hell?" <laughs> <laughs> I just got the car and started shaking it, and man. And I don't know who it was. Evidently, Tom did because he didn't get upset at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, he took me on over to the Edmonton Inn and later on, took me to the stadium, and yeah. And the day I checked into the Edmonton Inn, this is wild, uh, a guy named Vince Faison
2: had
1: played in Edmonton a couple of games, and he was checking out of the hotel. Uh, he only stayed in the hotel two days. And Mike Fink had already checked in the hotel, and he was playing his first game, taking Vince Faison's spot. Wow. And then here I am in the hotel, and two days after I check in, Another guy checks into the hotel for the same position. Wow. It was like there was four guys inside of four days that I met that were all in Evan to play left corner. Wow. <laughs> Holy yeah. man. What did I get myself into? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and um, But I stayed on my five-day trial. It turned into five weeks. <laughs> and uh, I played all positions in the secondary, and I played all receiver spots, and I played at tailback during during the practices during that period of time. I was dead set that Edmonton was going to need me, and that's what I told Noam Kimball the following year when I came back to training camp. Yeah. Boy, you know did we. <laughs> if, I, if I don't make your football team during the training camp, you better keep me around because not that you, you're going to want me. You're going to need me before this year is over. <laughs> Those are the words that I use. So uh, with only about four games left to go in the 1975 season, I made the decision that I was going to go back to Arkansas, go back to training and work out because at this point, this is October, I got injured in September the year before. So I haven't played a real football game in just over a year. Mm -hmm. So. I said I'm gonna go back and I'll do my winter training and spring training and I'll come back next year and I'll start off on an even playing field with all of the defensive backs that has come through, will come through, and then have already gone. And uh the next year I come back and I find out uh, that over the previous two years, count them. Seventeen ball players came to the Eskimos at that time, now the Elks, uh to play that left cornerback spot. Yeah. Yeah, it was well, a
3: revolving door for sure. We had, we had
1: to find yeah. the right today. Yeah.
3: no, an out of the same <laughs> <laughs> I
0: mean needed one. What, what did you think though when you first saw like the size of the field? Because it's so different than what you would have been used to.
1: I kind of panicked. Okay. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't been in involved in uh, a game. <laughs> all right. But I got all of that down during the time that five weeks that I was there for okay. a five-day trial, mm-hmm. right? you know, one day a week for the five-day trial. <laughs> <laughs> and also I got mentally conditioned to the extra five yards on each side of the field on the 55-yard line, the extra yeah. 10 yards, and the 25-yard deep end zones. So when I came back in the spring of 76, it was not a shock to me. Thanks. I understood it, and I knew it. I knew what I was getting into when I came back because I, I paid close attention to practices and to games that I was not involved in, so I actually learned the CFL uh, on the fly. Oh, That's awesome. amazing. So,
3: I mean, you talked about when you first came there, it was, uh, Ray Yock was the coach, yes. and in your first year, and in your second year, they made a change, and Hugh Campbell came in. What was it like switching between uh, Coach Yock and Coach Campbell?
1: It's night and day, night and day. Uh, Coach Yach, I mean, they're both winners in their own right, but Coach Yach was a disciplinarian. He was a hands-on, you know, uh, you're going to do it my way or here's a highway, all right? And uh, that was good. I mean, it's, it's football. I'm a player. I'm coachable. You tell me, that you know, here's a brick wall, run through it. I'm going to try to find myself on the other side of it, all right? <laughs> Uh, I, I And I understand football. I understood Ray Yock. I had been coached by coaches like that since the eighth grade. And uh, Hugh Campbell was a total surprise. He came in and first thing, he got rid of curfews. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to come to training camp and stay in the dorm if you don't want to. What? <laughs> Yeah, you can stay at home. Just this is the practice time. This is the time to be here for the meals. This is the time for your meetings. And if you want to go wherever, just. But you know what? That kind of philosophy, though, I can't. I think kind of made us who we were. Mm-hmm. Hugh's philosophy philosophy was: I'm not going to cut you. You cut yourself. I'm not going to release you. I, I mean Hugh had not long before he became a coach, uh was a player. All right. And I I, I believe that his low-key approach <laughs> let us grow up and be men. And when I say be men, uh you know by now, since I've been playing I've been playing football since I was eighth grade, I know how long I can stay up on the night before a game to go play my best game. I know the kind of regime that I need to have on the week before the game in order to play my best game. And if I go screw that up, that's my fault. That's not Hugh's fault. That's not the coach's fault. All right. But, you know, when you got that disciplined coach and you're you're a grown man yourself, you know what? You're looking for a way sometimes to kind of break the, and bend the rules. But when Hugh <laughs> yeah. said, throw all the rules out. I trust you and that – 33 players that follow my rule the best are going to be the 32 players that we're going to go to war with this year.
0: Wow. And it's amazing, right?
1: Treat people like people and they find a way to to get the best out of all of us. And here's here's what happened to us uh, through all of that. The leadership within a team starts to step up yeah and the leadership starts saying, Hey 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 you uh, uh, you messed with my money now <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't do that no, yeah. and we start leading from within rather than having somebody else put that thumb on you and hold you down and then want to find you or you know run your butt off at practice because you did something wrong. No nah, we all knew when we did something wrong.
0: Yeah, and if if, if a coach didn't have to tell you, your teammates would. (laughs) Like, dude.
1: During the season, Hugh, maybe once or twice during the week before a game, we would do two or three wind sprints. Everything else was like half speed, three-quarter speed. But you know what guys finally started doing? All doing practice, when you were not involved with drills, you'd see guys sprinting up and down the sidelines. Doing our own conditioning and getting any kind of conditioning that we need to have in. It was just it was just a total different machine. Wow. Because wow. we yes. liked it. and in 1977 when we lost to Montreal, that was the worst feeling in our entire team's life. Even though we know why we lost, yeah, we still lost. We lost because Tony Proudfoot Found a staple gun inside their locker room that uh, they could use to push staples into their shoes from the inside, and they could actually get traction on the ice field in Montreal. Yeah, but now the league come back and said, "Well, the deficits of the, the difference between the two scores is too great for us to you know, do anything about it." Hell, that's the reason why. Yeah. <laughs> they, had, they had spikes in their shoes, and we had rubber right. shoes. Yeah. Had broom, some of our guys were wearing broomball shoes.
3: Right, yeah. and the other team's cutting on a dime.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I got tiger claws, and
0: we got broom ball shoes. Uh, well, I I would say that you you guys found found a way to make a point after that, which is great. Uh, I, yeah, we did. The next year. Yeah, exactly. Now it so nineteen seventy eight rolls around, Commonwealth Stadium opens. Do you remember that first game in Commonwealth? Because it would have been so D. different. PC Lions. Lions. Yes, absolutely.
1: Yes. <laughs> you had a good game as I recall. No problem. <laughs> yes. I uh matter of fact, uh, you know what? I didn't know it for a few years afterwards because it never really dawned on me that I scored the first touchdown in Commonwealth Stadium. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Yeah. <laughs> a few years after that, I even realized that that took place. I was just playing ball. Wow. Oh, yeah, it, that's uh... – It was what I did. It was just what I – this is what I do. You get on the football field, they make a mistake, you make them pay. Yeah. <laughs> Man, didn't <laughs> like on the ball.
0: <laughs> I hope you are a guest speaker when you come up here in August. We could use that. That's, 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 that's uh, our team now would be very happy to hear that. Be...
3: <laughs> See, That's the thing about the team at that time. I mean, you either threw to your side and that was pick your poison there, or you threw to the other side and Larry Highbaugh's side. Yes, sir, yes, sir. I, I mean, what do you even do if you're an opposing offensive coordinator? So, Do you have any, uh, any good stories about Larry Highball?
1: Ah, uh, yes. Every <laughs> time we had a pregame meal, most of the time, Larry and I would wind up sitting at the same table. And we'd go in, and there'd be dinner rolls in the center of the, of, of the uh, table. And Larry would go in and get three or four dinner rolls and just squeeze them and lay them beside his plate. High Bar is the only person I ever know that can make a whole meal off of just bread. No butter, no nothing, just bread. <laughs> he would always, he would always squeeze three or four of the dinner rolls up and lay them on, on the table beside his plate. So nobody, really? after he squeezed them in his hand. Nobody else is gonna. <laughs> he called it.
0: That's like him calling dibs. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Every meal, <laughs> and uh, you know. I don't know if you guys remember the Italian – or you know about the Italian district. Oh, yes. Uh, The Eskimos had a really good – the Elks had a really good friend, and Ralph Mayo. He used to own a grocery store just before you got to Commonwealth Stadium. Mm -hmm. And uh, every practice, you know, guys would go in and buy the big hoagie sandwiches and eat loaded up with meats. Larry would go in and get a roll. No me just just a bun, and go going to going to Commonwealth Stadium and to the meeting rooms, lay on the floor and eat bread.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's oh, why you wow. got make name that Booty. <laughs>
2: that's,
0: that's incredible. Oh my! Now you, so you're on one side, like Mike said, high on the other. Um, who was the, the hardest receiver to cover when you were in the CFL? Or who was the guy that you maybe looked forward to going up against the most? Or who was the guy that you're like, oh,
1: God, I hate that guy? Brian <laughs> Kelly. Brian Kelly? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Every, every dadgum day in practice. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah. Howdy, howdy gum duty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Obviously that for other teams. Yes. Level. One, and then there were two uh, that were, I would say, kind of maybe tit for tat. And both of them were uh, inducted into the uh, CFL Hall of Fame last year. And it was Terry Greer. Uh, Terry had sheer speed. All right. And then Mervyn Fernandez came along later with speed and finesse. Yeah. Right. Uh, Terry... Greer was not going to be the guy that makes the cuts, but if you gave him an inch, he'd try to take a mile. Tom (laughs) Porzani was kind of like a uh, Brian Kelly uh, type player. He was most difficult, but my speed, which Terry uh, and Ray never gave me confidence, never gave me credit for having, made up for the the finesse that Tom Porzani had.
0: Wow! Wow! Now, so you 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 line up against these guys, and you talk about the speed, finesse, all these types of things. Were you at? Were you a? Were you a, tra- were you a talker on the field? Would you trash talk them, or would you wait until you got down the field? Well, yeah.
1: <laughs> was that an uncomfortable question? <laughs> I let. Them say this. I said this. They knew I was there. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> Oh my, that's awesome. <laughs> so, I, I mean, wish, I wish I could think of the guy's name. Uh it was an African-American receiver played with Winnipeg and it was uh year 2 when I had the shoulder separation and I missed eight ga- or eight weeks, six games. Mm-hmm. Which uh, you know, most people think that would be crazy, you know, I had a total torn up shoulder and after 6 weeks we took the pins out. Two weeks later, I played against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in Regina. But, hey, it was was my second year, and I really had not made the team yet. I was still a possibility, so to speak, in year year two. Can you repeat a year one? And then I got injured in game three. So now, oh, dang, I got to go back. I got to re-up some stuff here. I got to open this whoop-ass can again. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I only stayed out as long as the doctor said I was not going to re-injure myself, okay? Okay. And uh, eight weeks, I was I was on the eighth week, I, I, I lined up against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Wow. And, uh, uh, yeah, the first real tackle helped me to understand yeah. that maybe another week might not have hurt. <laughs> 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 that tackle killed you. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I That's- bet. Awesome. But I got through it, no more injuries, and again, I like got the shock over, and yeah, we went on.
3: And won the game too. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> Absolutely. So you did 10 years playing with Edmondson. Uh, do you have anything you would call your proudest moment or proudest memories in green and gold?
1: Yes. Uh, probably the proudest moment would be winning the fourth great cup something that had never been done in the history of the CFL or any other professional organization in the world, winning four consecutive championships. That was amazing.
0: Best team to ever field in the CFL. That would have
1: been the proudest uh, moment and shared by the entire team.
0: Yeah, that's that's amazing.
1: Uh, Winning three and tied the – other best team, which was yeah. Edmonton Eskimo team.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Winning the fourth one, Can I put the icing on the cake, and the way we won the fourth one.
0: Yes, yeah, sir. Duh. Yeah, amazing game. Amazing game. Um, Superfan, let's get to so so some fan
1: uh, questions.
3: Yeah, we've got a lot yeah. of people would love to ask questions if at, they can.
1: Those grown men cry in the red and black. Yeah. <laughs> 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 So <laughs> they, thought they had us. <laughs> they only won the game and celebrated in the champagne bottles and
3: that's amazing.
1: <laughs> All right. So we've got
3: some fans, would love to ask some questions. Uh, these are just gonna be kind of random order here. Uh, Paul Reckner wants to know who were the early earliest leaders stepping up in the room at the beginning there, seventy six, seventy seven.
1: Uh I would say we had uh, Charlie Turner. Mm-hmm. All right, was one of the guys that were, that stepped up and was a, Charlie was a true leader, and not by words. Charlie's actions and mannerism was a great leader. Uh, of course, Dan Kepley, yeah. uh, <laughs> John Faringer, right, and Highball again. Not so much as the words that were spoken, but just his preparation for the game. You know, and the right. things that he did in practice and on the game field. You he was teaching you all to eat bread. It's yeah. very important. Yeah.
3: <laughs> exactly.
1: Follow him with the bread. Just look, look at what he does. Don't do what he does. Look at what he does.
3: <laughs> That's right. <he's> Perfect. <laughs> uh, Coach Vic wants no to know. Away. <laughs> Co- Coach Vic wants to know aside <laughs> from the many gray cups, what are your fondest memories of living in Edmonton?
1: Uh, probably the people uh, the people you know, i I met some fantastic families, some fantastic people. I have friends still in Edmonton uh, prior to our pandemic. <laughs> um, I usually visit Edmonton twice a year. Wow right? And oh, uh, wow, okay. And uh still have a business entity in Edmonton that is going on amazing And uh, yeah and uh, I love the people in Alberta and, well let me take that lie back I love the people in Edmonton I'll give a rat's butt about people living in Calgary <laughs> <laughs> but I love I love the people from Red Deer North
3: <laughs> well, I said all Edmonton kids know their ABCs anyone but Calgary
1: <laughs> yeah yeah
3: um, you oh, talked about God. Brian Kelly. Apparently, uh, Brian Kelly actually was at our training camp this year. Uh, really? And he, he uh, ran every stair of the lower deck of the stadium the entire way around. Just incredible.
1: Brian uh, is an amazing person. Yeah, Mentally and internally. He's an amazing individual.
3: That's amazing. Yeah. Okay, we got one more here. Every
1: tailgate. I'm like, geez, you he's can still, still see up. So he's going to training camp. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure that Brian right now can still turn, turn the youngest defensive back in the league, right? He could turn him upside down, inside out, and he wouldn't have a clue which way Brian went. That's amazing.
3: Okay, last question from the fans here. Uh, this is from uh, Leanne. Uh, she has a question for Mr. Holloman. Uh, someone apparently that knew your children, little Jimmy Jackson, would like to know how Tori, Trent, and Terry are doing. He says hello.
1: <laughs> they are doing wonderful. Uh, awesome. I, I believe Trenton and his daughter is coming back to Edmonton with me. Phenomenal. Terry nice. and his four kids, one son, three daughters, uh... They're working on getting all of their airline stuff together right now. And Tori and his three kids will not be coming uh, because he refuses to take the vaccine. (laughs) (laughs) That makes it it tough. And I'm not going to be worried with uh, two seven-year-old twins and a (laughs) five-year-old. You've done your
2: time. (laughs) all
0: right well let's uh i want to get you out of here on this one thank you so much for your time by the way we really really appreciate yeah but we we asked this of all of our alumni members that come on because there was something about being in that locker room and being part of that team and there was something about you know being an eskimo being an elk and um so we we ask our alumni members what does the eskimo way mean to you
1: It's kind of a way of life. You know, it's a family atmosphere. And, you know, we'll fight like hell among each other. But don't nobody else come in and try to pick a fight. Now, you just got a whole bunch of people pissed at you. Okay. Uh, But amongst ourselves, what's done in the Eskimo locker room should stay always in the Edmonton Eskimo locker room. I saw um, in a newspaper clip. Uh last week that somebody somebody sent me the newspaper clip that the Edmonton Journal put out, and it explained what the word bone meant-hmm when I was playing it was just bone what does bone mean just bone I'm gonna give you the bone <laughs>
3: yeah so eventually this knew was-
1: the words that that bone stood for David Boone coined that phrase. Okay, the acronym yes, everybody should know it, but nobody should know what the acronym stood for. That was in-house property. Ah, uh, yes, that's amazing.
3: Uh, yeah, it went from Alberta crude to bone.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, Alberta crude was part of bone.
3: Right, that front four. Yes,
1: yeah.
3: <laughs> just thought I'd show you before you got off. Too, I wanted to show you a little something that might jog some memories. Right, back
1: there. Look at that. <laughs> There we go. When I get there,
3: yeah, at least get (laughs) hopefully get a chance to see you. And yeah, I need one. I I need (laughs) eighty-two. That is your eighty-two jersey. Your your all-star year. All
1: right. Well, fantastic, fantastic.
0: That that is awesome. Well, um, uh, Joe, when you're up this way, uh, I mean, I hear you're coming soon. Um,
1: (laughs) If if you have, because uh, I still have business in the city. Yes. Well, when you're my American if you I'm not advertising it, but that's I actually brought that back to Edmonton, all right, uh, nice. in uh, 1986. Um, but that being said, uh, it's still operating and is strong there, still today. <laughs> and I have approximately right around the area of 500 representatives that are still operating in the Alberta Arena.
2: Oh, that's fantastic.
1: That will try to, to me in some way, form, or fashion. And hopefully we can get all of those guys out to the stadium yeah. uh, on the 13th and uh, rooting the Eskimos on. The Eskimos wouldn't... Oh, excuse me. The Elks... It's hard for me to do this. Stuff. Yeah. The Elks wouldn't give me 500 tickets to pass out. but <laughs>
3: <laughs> They should. There's enough room. Come on. I have
1: all of my... Uh, teammates uh, with Prime America in, in Edmonton and uh, Fort McMurray Mer- Fort and Fort Saskatchewan, Calgary. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I said that word. Uh, <laughs> Edira, Audrey, and uh, all spots in between. I'd love to have you at the game on Friday or on Saturday, August 13th. And uh, let's go with Elks. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. That- That'd be awesome. Well, if you get time before, make sure you swing by the tailgate, because we we, we, we got we to gotta feed you.
1: Okay. <laughs> I'll make sure. I'll make sure. Yeah. That'll, that'll be sitting there as well. I know the also want us to go by the Jackie Parker room, and, you know, Jackie Parker was a thin guy, and probably not going to have much food there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is fantastic.
0: Okay. Um, well, Joe, be- Thank you so much for yes, uh, spending some time with us and, and, and telling us about your playing days. Um, and congratulations on making The Wall a, 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 an honor that should have been with you a long time ago, but we're so happy that you're finally getting up. And we can't wait to see your name go up on The Wall.
1: Thank, Thank you very much. much. Thank you very much. Appreciate you guys.
3: And we are back.
2: <laughs>
3: it's going to take three plastic surgeons to get the smile off my face. I swear. Oh,
0: I, I, I could have just like, uh, Oh, well, I guess we have nothing better to do. We could just sit here and listen. To Lake, yeah. that, that was, Oh my God. That was amazing. That was so good. And, um, uh, thank you again to Joe. And, uh, yeah. when he's up here in August, hopefully we'll get to uh, meet him face to face and, and for sure. And say again, how, uh, how amazing this was. So, um, and thank you to all of you for the great questions. That was, that was absolutely.
3: I wish we could get, there was more that came in after, but yeah. yeah. I mean,
0: yeah. Including oh. Cliffy asking if someone was watching blues clues, which I appreciate.
3: Which is, <laughs> <laughs> it's just awesome. I,
0: I think his phone rang. I don't know. But I don't was, know. Awesome. He says he's got but, a
3: little tiny nephew there. So who knows?
0: Yeah. Yeah. He said he was going to go talk to him. So who knows? But anyway, that was, <laughs> uh,
3: that, that
0: was, that was amazing. Um, Superfan, we do have a little bit of Elks news to talk about, um, do we? including Mr. Holloman. There are two others, uh, as we said, that are going up yes. on the wall, uh, Jim Germany uh, and Ed Jones. Um, man, that is going to be a great night.
3: That is going to be phenomenal. Um, I sort of held out hope that maybe Joe Holloman would go on the wall one day. Yeah. Uh, I mean, his stats alone were just absolutely improbable. He he was a complete shutdown corner. He uh, returned kicks and punts. Uh, His very first game at home, he had the five fumbles, (laughs) um, but still made the team just because uh, his the last punt uh, he took 113 yards for a touchdown uh, and made the team based on that. And and just I thought for sure he'd go in, but to get Jim Germany and Ed Jones in at the same time, like that's absolutely astounding, and gives. the three of the five defensive backs from that five in a row gang mm-hmm. all going to be on the wall of honor uh, and rightfully so they belong there for sure
0: yeah uh, and and it's one of those ones that you and i have talked about a lot who's the next guy to go on and yeah. and almost always it's in like the top two is joe Holloman but that, that's the next guy yeah, <laughs> yeah. Big yeah thanks
3: Charlie's to yeah gary that. i ran into gary laddie and he uh, gave me an extra copy of that which is that's oh, going on, on my wall. So that's, that's fantastic.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was a uh, uh, a great conversation, but yeah, uh, I'm so glad to see those three guys going up and, yes, sir. and, and it'll change our conversation now of who's the next guy, right? Well, not for you. Yeah, I know. It's still true. Yeah. Do it again. <laughs> there you are. Yep. Still Charlie Turner. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's, there's a bunch of, there's other, n- now I feel like we've, we've almost honored that everyone that should be off of the five in a row other than yeah that, i know
3: but i think well yeah charlie was there just the first year of the five in a row he's there in 78 yes. i think the only other person i mean apologies to marco sincar uh that <laughs> of the five in a row gang at least people that were in the dynasty era i mean i'd love to see more of the offensive line get in sure. um uh we've we've actually had one of them on the show early early on very early um, on. Yes. yeah but a, a person i'd love to see on there is um um, Neil Lumsden, I think. Uh, one of those yeah. guys that was so integral to that team, blocking, uh, running, catching the ball out of the backfield, and he was just a beast. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, the rule is you have to have been not only exceptional while playing green in green and gold, you had to have been here six years. And uh, so that does eliminate some players, but Neil definitely fits. And I, I think he should probably go up, but that might be the... uh the way to close that off that, uh, incredible run of, of five in a row.
0: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And then we can get into some of these, you know, some of the other guys as we, we've talked Then about- Marco, oh, yeah. or, of course, Marco. Yeah. But, uh, but there, I mean, lots of guys from the early two thousands we could talk about. So there's, there's nineties.
3: Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Yep, I, I would like to see this is a great spot though. Cross generational things happen. It's great that the three guys from that era are going together, but I think for some of the fans, it'd be great to have like a a Neil Lumsden and a Jason Tucker going in together, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got yes. something that appeals to fans from so many years. I think would be great.
0: I would, Yeah, I would love that for sure. Um, only one other Elks news note, and that is that uh, they did sign defensive lineman Coney Ealy, right. um, who was uh, in the NFL and did play a few snaps for the Argos last year um, and now uh, was not in a spot. So we did have sign him, but he did sign to the one game injured list. So Correct, yeah. I wonder if that's kind of almost like a tryout at that point. I think it's <laughs> a healthy scratch. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's something along those lines. So, um, all right well now we have to uh, move on to you know the probably the topic we don't want to talk about a Should little we? bit but um yeah the elks fall to the bombers last friday night at home wow, wow. Uh, pushing it to now 1014 days i believe uh, probably 17 now too, to many, too many too many uh since we uh, have won at home uh now the, i think the part with this one though is they had a chance to win this and then they just sure. kept kind of shooting their own foot off. Um, especially because the bombers kind of had an off night. And 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 the defense definitely contributed in a lot of those spots. But yeah. I know Manny said post game he's like a lack of finish. I'm like, stop me if you heard that one before. Mm-hmm. Um and uh and coach Jones said the the penalties and the field position were huge in this game and there are lots of other things don't get me wrong but um so let's talk well we can talk about the game but before we do that can we send an extra special thank you to justin renfrew for coming to the tailgate with the yummy food holy man grilled cheese beef brisket sandwiches yay those were so good and thank you justin uh was amazing and thank you to everyone that came to the tailgate because that was one of the most fun tailgates we've had in a while like so many people there and oh for sure awesome so great so... to
3: see chris x pegger yeah uh, yeah and some amazing. of his friends coming over um you know it's one of those things that we love to cheer for other teams but when we're together we're family and right. uh, it's just it was a great uh representation we had some friends that were at their first football game uh that were there mm-hmm. and they just kept looking around it's like you guys are all just so friendly and happy and having fun and and there's like different colors so you're different teams and it's like yeah but until the game starts we're all family so then we got three <laughs> hours off and then we're yeah. family so
0: 100 <laughs> percent agree it was yeah. uh it was very very good it was it was amazing um all right so let's talk about the game super fan nope uh, there were some good ones there were some good parts in there so uh, tell me what good parts you had
3: uh, well, I mean, defensively, I think we did well. How many times can you think of that a quarterback completes seven passes in a game for 188 yards? I mean, and wins the game. It wins, uh, I right. mean, granted, the last time that happened was um, Chris Streveler against us three years oh. ago. But still. Hey, hey. Um, well, we like to set trends. But I mean, he was well, 43% for in his passing. Uh, he had two interceptions. And t- I mean, he had that 181-yard pass near the end of the first half, and it that just sort of was a bit worked. of a dagger, right? Um, but still, I think the defense has to uh, get a lot for that. Um, yeah, we, we had more Honestly, carries.
0: The, I, I mean, to that point, really, I mean, the defense had held them to 17 for a lot of the game. That's a good defense. Like yeah. that, the, and, and, we did have some ball control. We just couldn't
3: at finish. The, yeah, at the like, end of the third quarter, we were up 33 minutes time of possession to eleven.
0: Eleven. And we were down somehow. I, yeah. I well, because we couldn't we couldn't punch it in and then
3: and short we, field, you that. know
0: three three field goals and a one miss, right? So yeah. I mean, so is that like a surge? Not really all the end to the end of the Sergio, because that's like, come
3: on, we need the
0: but again if you're just doing field goals, field goals, field goals.
3: You gotta get it in the end zone, yeah.
0: Correct. That 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 is kind of how that's gonna run. Um the INTs were nice. Antigua's yeah. inception was great, and then he tripped over his own imaginary feet. It was yeah. amazing. Turf monster um, got him. Twice. <laughs> which was well, he slipped the first time and then yeah. and uh, but um
3: got up and that was it. Blue attire.
0: Yep. Yeah. And okay, let let uh, we need to talk about Daron Carter for a second. So, um <laughs> Come on, superfan. This is my feeling. He did get better as the game went on.
3: He did, and he's been away for I mean it's been uh, right? years.
0: The, correct. Since he's played a game, right? So uh, the first part there with the, you know, the the kick returns a lot of dancing, and not a lot, not enough running, but right. near the end of the game running for a little
3: more North South. Yeah. Right. Um,
0: obviously he whiffed on the tackle on Dalton shown on yeah. that massive 81 play that we just talked about, but then he got the interception and he was in the perfect spot for that and had a good return after it. So I, I think this was one of those, Hey, okay. He's, he's getting back into it. So, um, I don't want to just be like, uh, <laughs> you know,
3: but, but, no, he, but like, you've got a good point. Like it just, yeah. um, as the team gets better, uh, as the team goes on and as he goes on, it's getting better. So Correct. I think that's just what we have to look forward to. And Winnipeg capitalized on our mistakes. We didn't necessarily capitalize as much on theirs.
0: Absolutely. Oh, Wilson. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Wilson um, yeah, I know. Yeah. It's a little more panning. You'd be able to see him. Um, the, no, I, it's just like, I, I thought corndog had a decent game. Well, he had. It's cause we had corndogs for tailgate. No, yeah. So see that. Oh, so we have to have corndogs tail. I hope not. Cause <laughs> they were yeah. popular. Yeah, they were. Um, but I thought he had a good game. 270 yards passing, um, scrambled when he needs to, which was a lot. Um, cause that's going to come to when we talk about the
3: bad part. Um, he, he but. looked like he wanted this badly he and kenny lawler i think had the best like they were not going to be denied until they found like lawler kept spinning out of tackles and pushing for as many Mm -hmm. yards as many inches as he could get
0: yeah i was so worried that the ball was going to pop out when he kept doing that but i'm like no
3: he's he's still got it okay he's just he wanted to beat them so badly and those two especially stuck out to me as someone that were putting in a i mean i hate Hundred and ten percent. It's such a cliche, but they really were putting in everything they had.
0: I would say those two for sure, and I would add Mac Henry to that list. Yes. He had a monster game. Um I understand it's not really showing up on the stat sheet, but he made a difference. Like he led
3: the team in tackles, yeah. Him and Niles yeah, Morgan.
0: But uh oh, and so nice to see Niles back on the field too right so I'm very very happy to see him back and I hope we get him on here soon to chat with him about that because uh, he's a great dude on top of being a good football player so uh all right let's talk about some of the things to improve there is a few of those
3: yeah so I mean and I sort of alluded to it before Winnipeg had a short field that special teams I mean I think our cover was a lot better Um,
0: especially in the second half yes yeah I would agree
3: Yep. But our returns weren't so great, and so, and then when there were, there were penalties, and there were right. penalties, and there were penalties. Um,
0: and yet we took, we only took eight penalties,
3: only eight. That's sad that we're talking only eight when they took three.
0: Correct. No, I know, but again, for like we were what eleven the last game, and it's, right. So it's. <laughs> that's one of those things like well there was improvement it's just the timing was and and to in my personal opinion the turning point of this game was the roughing the kicker um penalty because right. that made the drive for the bombers continue and they got the touchdown on that we were only a touchdown out otherwise and it was kind of in shot but as soon as yeah. that second touchdown happened it was like oh forget it yeah. like it's there's no way right
3: i mean you you talk about eight penalties five of them were on special teams
0: oh yeah
3: Right, and Not that so made specific. such a difference. That's why they we were ahead of them statistically. We had 270 yards; they had 188 yards. We had 25 oh. completions; they had seven. But because they had such a short field comparatively uh, to begin with, when we had that terrible interception, I mean, only one interception again, but it was it was a tough one because it led it to the, points.
0: It was the timing, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. And it was, um, well, and one of the seven completions was an 81 yard play. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's, that's going to happen.
3: I mean, like, you take away that play, he had six completions for 107 yards.
0: Like, right? so you'd say, if, if that was the case, you'd say, well, the defense did what they were supposed to.
3: Yeah. Outside of that yeah. one busted coverage. Right. Yeah.
0: They, they capitalized, right? They capitalized yeah. when they need to. So that was, uh, that was a tough one. Um, yeah. In the improvement part, uh, the O-line had a rough night.
3: Yes, they did. I mean, you're going well, against... He's good. But. Even without uh, uh, Jeff Coat in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you still have a reigning, most outstanding defensive player in Willie Jefferson. Um, it's tough when you're talking about people that often say that is the best front seven in the league currently.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so your line is going to be tough. That being said, I mean, we have had the same offensive line for a while. I mean, we we're missing Foucault for a bit.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, but, yeah but this that is the
2: third
0: or fourth game they played together, right? I believe so. Yeah. And five sacks. Right?
3: Yeah. That, it, but again, it's against... Yeah. I mean, we seem to it, play I Winnipeg understand. well at Commonwealth. Yeah, It just seems to be last year we lost by 10. When they mm-hmm. had been just blowing out other teams. Um, it's not really a moral victory, but.
0: Right. Oh yeah. And, yeah. I don't know if you uh, caught the uh, post game from coach Jones, but well, he, he, he was unhappy. Let's just put it yeah, that way. I, I and, he should was, be. and, and there was no, there was no, yeah, we did well in anything. It was like, Nope, <laughs> we, we did this wrong and this wrong and we got to clean that up. That's it. That's, yeah. that's all there is to it. Yeah. Um, don't blame him at all. Um and, and three tip balls at the line too that and one going into an interception, right? So right. Yeah, yes, that's the only interception. That Winnipeg D did uh, did oh. well. Um
3: Jerry's yeah. also asking a question about uh, what happened to Matt Mengel. He did get injured in the he game. Did. And so Sergio Castillo had to do double duty, well, triple duty, really is mm-hmm. he had to do all the kickoffs as well. Um yeah, so that's that again was very tough. Uh well Mangle, I think, did the, the only kickoff we had to uh correct. Um, for that to start the game um but then yeah he only punted once and it was not a great punt
0: no no and then he was and then he was sitting on the the trainer's table for a lot of the rest of the game so yeah yeah that was tough tough blow when he's was was basically changing field position in the other games right so i
3: believe in the uh it was either on twitter or in an interview on uh I think it was on Twitter. He talked about how if he had to play next week, he would play. Uh, so now that he's got a bye week, he can rest up, and hopefully he'll be back ready to go against BC.
0: Yeah, that that is the hope. Absolutely. Uh, Alright, well let's stop talking about that. Let's talk about more fun things. Uh, Mike, you got some horde and tell for us ah, this evening?
3: Yeah, so um, during the game, um, I was a little late for West of Us because I had uh, been contacted by a couple of the players who wanted me to Uh, bring them some stuff. One of them was uh, Eric Blunt, who had a game in 1995 where he set the team record for most touchdowns in a game with five touchdowns. Uh, That's receiving, running and returning. Um, Just absolutely amazing. And he had never seen the game since he'd never seen the game. He was in the game, but never seen the broadcast. Uh, And he wanted to show his kids. So I finally tracked down a copy and got him a copy. Uh, And then I met up with Jed Roberts, um, who of course, everyone here should know. Um, uh, he had finally received his pants. Paul had been, I guess, he left his pants at Paul's house or something. Um, and uh, no, his uh, his pants I think would have been from the early two thousands. The white. Um, Uh, pants Mm -hmm. and uh, Paul had had them and he gave them back to Jed, which I think is a fantastic thing. And Jed was very excited. His kids could have cared less. Um, And then I also brought over something called uh, eight up or 10 up sheets. So um, back in the day when you were on TV and they would talk about a player, they'd always flash up a headshot of a player. And those came to all the media from the teams where they would take headshots and put eight or 10 on a page. And so I thought I would just show some of these. So this is kind of what they look like. And of course, I know where your eyes going to go right away. <gasps> oh, I know that one. Yeah, there we go. There's a little bit of Marco. <laughs> look so at that much. hair. Uh, so that's the that, 79 eh? teams. And then it's just, you know, there's some of the rest there, including Mr. Jim Germany here. Ooh, we'll be going hey. up on that wall of honor. And that's just a, it's just a book of all of these. So eight on a page. So eight up. And then uh, later on, like here in the nineties, we have 10 up. That kind okay, of Hopefully yep. you can see some of those. So I had a few extras and I gave them to Jed to give off, uh, give to rest of his teammates and everything else. Um, and uh, yeah, someone to Eric and someone to the other teammates so they could have their pictures from the uh, 90s were the ones I sort of brought over. So there's a oh, great right. shot of Jed right in the middle.
0: Oh, yeah, there he is. Yeah. look at oh, that. Oh, right. Here. Look at really being all coy in that. Picture. Oh, yeah. yeah. Come on.
3: <laughs> Absolutely great. So these went up. The ones I've got go up certainly until the 90s, I think, or maybe 2000. Okay. Um, yeah, there's some 90s shots.
0: Oh, those are ninety shots. Yeah, yeah. Are... Aren't
3: those lovely? Wow. They look like they should have numbers at the bottom. Some of them. <laughs> I was gonna
0: say some of them. Some of them we say headshots could double yeah. as the yeah yeah other shots.
3: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's a shot of Eric Blunt, and that's one of the ones he would have got. Oh there. yes, Leroy Blue. Um, I think there's Mike Sellers is in here back when he was a rookie, and and just it's great to sort of see some of these. There's little Jimmy Kemp where's <laughs> our quarterback. Uh, so these are great little extra headshots. So a lot of times when I get asked, did you have a picture of so-and-so this is the first binder I always grab and, and uh, try to find some of these for, you know, people that haven't seen some of these or it's people that want to do a tweet with some of these players. So,
0: Oh man, that's, that's fantastic. Those, yeah. are, awesome. Those are awesome. I know I always come to you saying, Hey, do you have a picture of this guy? But yeah, it's, it's always Marco, always-
3: but yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we both
1: took the joke at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> Just saying,
3: <laughs> yeah, I'll get um, a call. I'll Dave Jamison, who does stuff with the alumni, often will say, "Do you have a picture of so and so?" And yeah, I'll fire it off to him. So
0: yeah, yeah. Which uh, on that same note, thank you to Dave Jamison for helping set yes. up that interview for this evening. Cause Absolutely, because uh, we love you, JMO, always do. And if you haven't listened to last week's episode with JMO, uh, please do. Although I do apologize if you listen to the audio one. Uh, my, I, Yeah, I I've tweaked it. It should be better this week. There it we was go. was a little off on the sound last week. But it was still awesome to hear from JMO. Uh, we don't have a game to talk about this week because we're on bye. Can't lose that's right it's fair um but we do have some pickems we could still talk about do you want to talk oh, about oh
3: let's talk about these
0: oh i know how excited i was a little
3: is. worried about uh my pickem for this week <laughs> when i thought that uh i thought toronto was gonna just absolutely mop the floor with saskatchewan but then the argo bounce um yeah,
0: they did yeah. win though that's good we'll take they it. did thank god
3: for that interception at the end but yeah
0: mm-hmm. spoiler yeah. alert yeah exactly yeah if you haven't watched the game sorry um all right but let's we got four games this week that we don't care about any of them uh but we'll still talk
3: i mean i still want to see some of these teams lose that's fair that's fair you know, so
0: um, anybody who's playing against calgary or saskatchewan, okay, uh okay, first game, Montreal versus Hamilton, that one in the hammer uh we've got b c versus Saskatchewan in the rectangle, mm-hmm. we've got Winnipeg versus Calgary down so down
3: McMahon,
0: correct, and Ottawa versus Toronto at BMO. so oh. we got. In the games this week, super fans.
3: Yeah, I think that the first one is going to be a really tough one to to sort of play. Both teams have been sort of up and down. Uh, yeah. We saw Montreal play a little better. We saw more of a good Trevor in the last yeah. game. And I said he seems to do that up and down kind of thing. So if that all plays out, then it's going to be bad Trevor this week. Uh, and I think Hamilton is, uh, Dane Evans has not played up to his own standards or his potential, I think. So I think I'm going to call this one a Hamilton win. Okay. Um, BC versus Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan is still a bit of a mess. We don't know who's going to be behind center. Uh, It could be Doligala, It could be Fine. It could be uh, Jesus Sprinkles. I'm not sure. Um, Cody Fajitas. Um, (laughs) But I I still think BC is uh, learning how to be a top tier team. And this is just going to be the next step. So they will take that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Winnipeg at Calgary. This is again another strong match. Yes. It is an undefeated Blue Bomber team going into Calgary. This is probably going to be the closest game of the week, I would think, uh, mm-hmm. or certainly one of the best games of the week. Maybe some of the you know the Ottawa Toronto game might be close, but for a different reason. Um, <laughs> uh, but I think that uh, that. I don't want to say it, but I think Calgary ends Winnipeg's win streak this one, uh, which is disappointing because, of course, we all want Calgary to lose. And then Ottawa versus Toronto. uh, Again, I think that Ottawa is better than their record is. And I think this is the week they finally put it together and they win this one.
0: Okay. All right, then. So, on my side, uh, I agree with you, Hamilton at home. I think they are getting better every week. Dane Evans is starting to kind (sighs) of learn these things get better Uh, i like the balance actually that they're using with him and Schultz and and a lot of times having the two of them i think that helps him too so uh i can i I think hamilton finds a way at home uh i totally agree with you mostly because i am never picking saskatchewan this year anyway go and bc should win that game anyway uh winnipeg versus calgary this is that is a tough one and I, as well, am going with Calgary, but it's because they're coming off the bye.
3: And well, that's what they, Ken Ludwig is saying. They have two oh, weeks to prepare okay. for the Bombers. Yeah, and
0: Calgary coming off the bye is different than most other teams in this yeah. league. They just play different. So I I think that gives them an edge. And and although Winnipeg has played to the level of their opponent, sometimes down and still won, <laughs> I, uh, I I do think that, Calgary will find a way at home, uh, and then Ottawa versus Toronto. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Toronto. I honestly think that they're starting to find ways to win instead of after this ways. game today. Yeah, yeah, they they still found a way to win. Like they still find a way, and their their defense is actually quite good. I, yeah, you know, and so I think I think when they're playing on the road they have a harder time they do they have found ways here and there but at home they find ways to win so i uh, i'm going to give this one to uh, toronto so
3: owen yeah. lives in ottawa again
0: yeah which uh, which makes me sad i hope i'm wrong i'd love ottawa to win i'd like for them to get off the schneid and get back up and 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 doing better but yeah i just i don't know something about it that's uh, just where I, where I think this week. Um, fantasy football, super fan. Hmm. Uh, you had Brazilian tie this week.
3: Sure did.
0: Yep. Or shall I say, Brazilian tie had you as he yeah, won that that's... one <laughs> pretty handily. Uh, I was ahead of Ryan Ballantyne the last I checked. I haven't looked in this Let's particular. Let's take a quick look here, see and we'll. Uh, the, you, we'll you, see. I'll let you look that up. I'm pretty sure that I did so. finish ahead of Ryan because Calgary didn't play this week. Um. <laughs>
3: So you had seventy two point nine points and Ryan had fifty point nine.
0: Okay, great. So I won that one. Perfect. I had
3: seventy nine point eight and I had oh, I won. Did you? (laughs) I did. Eighty point one. Really? I won by point three points over Brazilian tire oh because you got touchdown that, at
0: the end air, touchdown, touchdown at the end oh my god really wow nice nice job Superfan! Wow! wow so we'll uh, we'll stay 13 up points yeah we're at the top of the leaderboards and we can hear brazilian ties swearing from here that's amazing <laughs> um
3: <sighs> this
0: week you get Daltz from rouge radio
3: oh jorts man
0: I get Rod from Wood Cookie Cast. So, uh, this should be an interesting week. Um, he should. does a lot in the fantasy world. So, um, mm-hmm. it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, find, of course, all your great shows on CF Pod Network on Twitter. Uh, and I think it's cfpodnetwork.ca as well. Correct. Yeah. Look at that. Hey, eh? Well
3: done.
0: I've learned these things somehow. Wow. Uh, with Pod Power, our sponsors are making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, Edmonton Community Foundation is helping us give a Pod Power shout out to Is This For Real? A podcast about various, various facets of Black life in Edmonton. In the first season of the show, Breaking the Blue Wall, host Omar Salafu explores the Black anti-Black racism in policing, and tell stories about policing in schools, accountability in Alberta's policing system, and the impacts of police violence on Black Edmontonians. You can listen to the pl- podcast and read more about each episode at isthisforreal.ca. You can also support the work of these podcasters in future seasons on Patreon. Well, that was quite a show, Superfan.
3: It was. I mean... Oh. Let's be honest. I'm sure we could have had a two hour episode with Mr. Holloman and everybody would have just hung on every word and we just could have sat back and loved it. Um, Well, The nice
0: thing is he said to contact him whenever. So I'm thinking an off season episode of just tell us about every season in that five in a row, Uh, the stories. Cause uh, I mean, all truth for the people who are, he told us some stories before we got onto the show that were also amazing. And, um, Yeah, so we should have him back. You should in, write a and, book,
3: I'm telling you. Uh, oh Paul Reckner goodness. did say he loved it. We could just sit back and, and, and let him run. Uh, so he said, yeah. nicely done by me and even you. So, you know. <laughs>
0: even, even me.
3: Wow. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I'm I'm getting, Hopefully so. your head doesn't get too big. Wait.
0: Yeah, well, hmm. Pretty safe. Yeah, that's no, <laughs> fine. Uh, super fan. Where does everybody find you online? Uh,
3: they can find me at 56 Parkies and then anything related to history or some of the horde can be found at the Edmonton football history Twitter account at EDM double E.
0: Wonderful. And you can find me at Free Delicious, and of course, follow the commissioner at Duchess Lombardi. Uh, our APN shout out this week goes to healthy lifestyle design. There's a different podcast. That is. It is. Uh, a single step can make a positive change in your life. Pamela and her mom, Janet, discuss how to design a healthy lifestyle. Find them and all the other great shows at the Alberta Podcast Network.
3: There it is.
0: Lovely. Uh, of course, follow our friends at Pay It Forward with football, who are sending more people to games and in con- in continuing to spread kindness. Yeah, And they're doing that much better than I can speak. So make sure that you're <laughs> following them. That's outstanding. Uh, join us, of course, in the huddle at the Turf District. That's on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, if you're on YouTube Live, stick around for overtime. We've got lots more to chat about. Um, otherwise, we will be back next week. Uh, we're hoping to bring in another uh, player as we get ready for uh, getting back into playing games. Very okay. exciting. Yes. I know, right? very exciting excellent in the meantime uh for joe holliman commissioner kayla and superfan mike i'm andrew remember you can't catch footballs with your face and we will absolutely talk to you next week
2: thanks for listening find more great shows like this at Pod network on twitter